Welcome everyone to the Almost Cancelled TV Podcast. I am Peter. I'm joined as always by Connor. Yes, with a functioning camera this week. That's right, you bought a new camera. So you, we, we got a new angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little... You know, like... Like when you get an intense close-up and you feel a little uncomfortable that this horrible person is like right in your face, there's yeah. a little bit of that going on. Yeah, I'm just um, trying to convey the experience that everyone in my life has. <laughs> this is a TV podcast where we talk about uh, the news, the renewals, cancellations, pilots, show pickups, all that kind of thing. Uh, we'll get into it. It's not a big week, though, admittedly. Uh, it's a relatively quiet week. Just enough for a show on a bit no more, uh, I would say. But it's probably going to be a quicker one, unless we ramble on about hell knows what. Wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be a surprise, no. Um, it is worth mentioning that it is probably going to be a little quieter for a few weeks, and then we'll take a few weeks off of the news intentionally, <laughs> rather just because of, you know, happenstance uh, around Christmas, because it's always dead around Christmas anyway for news. So, yeah, there probably won't be too much this next week either, with this being Thanksgiving weekend. Well, I think that's why it's uh, quieter, because obviously we're recording this on Thursday night, so we're actually recording this on Thanksgiving night. And there was very, very little news from the last like two days. Like everything came Shocking. from yeah. Monday and Tuesday, pretty much. So uh, that's just a sign of the week that we're in, I suppose. But a uh, couple noble things uh, to to mention and. Uh, We'll see what where where the life takes us, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, we'll start with renewals, uh, of which we have one, <laughs> and that is the White Lotus has been renewed for season three, HBO's show about a hotel. Yeah, the one that I'm pretty sure was nominated in all the awards for limited series. Let's get to season three. <laughs> yes, not just a season two, season three now. Yeah. Uh, so having their cake and eating it too. Uh, but the first episode of season two got like 7.6 million viewers. Uh, make it the most watched title uh, on HBO Max. I don't know if that means ever or just like, in, you know, recent time. It doesn't specify, but... I mean, HBO Max ever is still pretty recent time. It is, yes. Um, but, but, I'm not, but, I'm not, but it is on HBO as well, so I'm not sure if it's counting... I don't know. I, There's a lot of qualifiers here. There's a lot of qualifiers to how these. Not, I'm sure it's doing well. It's obviously doing very good for them, and that's why they're renewed it. But it is. I think the fact that they specified the HBO Max means it's it's not breaking records on HBO broadcast. Mm. But it's the one of the biggest things, arguably, since the launch of Max. That you know, may, maybe it airs on the at the same time on there or something. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. So I mean, the the whole gimmick with this is that it, other than one or two recurring characters who run the place it's all new characters and actors each season because it's new guests at the hotel mm-hmm. uh so uh they had a cast of a variety of people in season one including connie Britton, alexander Dario, uh sydney sweeney steve zahn uh season two's got uh aubrey plaza is kind of their big bigger name so mm. yeah they've got a, a wide variety and yeah so I've not seen a single second of it, and I, I don't even know how dramatic or comic it is. Like I don't know if it's like a light-hearted like thing or if it's my like impressions a... spew towards more dramatic. But I don't really. Know. It's more more of a serious drama. But, uh, yeah, I, I could. 
Definitely, especially with the cast that first season. But mm. then, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is there like a murder at the hotel? <laughs> like, is there, a, is there a, a crime element? I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, maybe, maybe one day we'll find out. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, yeah. Okay, we got a trailer here that came out of nowhere for me. Uh, so we got a trailer too, yeah. for a show called Copenhagen Cowboy, which is a very... I mean, it sticks out as a title. Copenhagen Does. Cowboy. Um, so this is actually a new show by Nicholas Wendig Reffin, who, of course, did Drive, did Neon Demon, uh, you know, a bunch of stylish films, indie films, uh, started his career with the Pusher trailer. Well, maybe not started, but that was his sort of big first feature length movie success was Pusher, yeah. Pusher Trilogy. Uh, and then in terms of TV, did the Amazon show a couple of years ago called Too Old to Die Young. So, yeah, which was arguably over long for you know, what it was, but that's kind of what Reffin's style is. So it's kind of, you know, give and take. It, it, it was, I don't know, it was, it, was, it was cocaine for the eyeballs, quite frankly. That, no, it, it was. I loved I mean, it. Like, it was excellent. <laughs> arguably over long. I think it was 10 episodes, right? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Reffin is very taste dependent. He is not yes. for everyone. And that's just, you know, how it is. Uh, so I had no idea he had a six-episode show coming at Netflix, uh, which is we got a trailer for, and also a release date, which is uh, the 5th of January. Uh, so, unsurprisingly, it looks like a reference show. There's a lot of c- colours and the lighting in this trailer. It looks like it's a character going on some sort of revenge story against criminal characters, which is, again, very reference. It is. Like, I, I could barely tell you what the show is actually about like what happens in the show from this trailer but i know i'm interested there's a woman coming back for revenge so i, I was getting like reference take on kill bill as well as what i was getting. not obviously not as actiony as kill bill not very much not that but yeah uh, but very much has kill bill um so yeah six episodes and um it's, it's back to being you know a, a foreign language because he's been doing stuff in english now for so long he's, he's dabbled in both obviously yeah yeah obviously he started in foreign language stuff because obviously where he comes from but uh this is him returning to that realm uh so i mean i can give you a, a synopsis here uh, yeah, it has an actual synopsis not just we we can uh, guess yeah just to back up the, the trailer but the neon drenched accurate Talking, yeah. <laughs> the undrenched noir series follows enigmatic young heroine M I U Mew Me Mew Mew I'd have said Mew, but You could literally tell me that's any vowel sound and I would believe you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, after a lifetime of servitude and on the verge of a new beginning, she traverses the ominous landscape of Copenhagen's criminal netherworld. Netherworld to use for that. Searching for justice and enacting vengeance, she encounters her nemesis, Rachel, as they embark on an odyssey through the natural and supernatural. Okay, I didn't get that from the trailer. Uh, the past ultimately transforms and defines their future as the two women discover they are not alone, they are many. Even okay. thematically, cool. I can see this being a follow-up to Too Old to Die Young. Yeah. There's some themes in there that are, that are at play. Uh, yeah, the trailer's very stylish, it's very colourful, there's a lot of slow motion and just, like people standing, staring at things. I- <laughs> I yeah, will definitely say if if you've seen you know some Reffin movies in the past and you're not a fan, this isn't going to change your mind. Yeah, uh, 
the only exception is that his drive seems to penetrate at slightly more, and it's not, I wouldn't say mainstream, but it, it penetrates more, like, movie fan realm. It does, yeah. You know, it, it was I, don't know, the, I don't know what it is about that that, that kind of let it flip through. Because I don't think it's that much more accessible than some of his other stuff. I think it is, but I've, I've shown Drive to people who have liked Drive, and then I show them Only God Forgives, and they want to kill me for, <laughs> for making them sit through it. Yeah, yeah. It always it surprises me that Drive is the one that, relatively speaking, broke through, compared to maybe like Bronson, which I feel like... Yeah. It's still a little bit surreal, because... Reference, I, well, I think that's the thing, but... though, is Drive's probably the least surreal, it's the least weird. It's it's very yeah. stylish, but it still it still played the most straight. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, and it's probably my favorite Reffin movie, despite the fact that I love his weird style. I love all the other things that I've seen from him. But yeah, you know, I think it's it's probably objectively speaking the best. But I have a soft spot for Valhalla Rising. I like that too. But there's also no denying Ryan Gosling is also the biggest star that he's worked with. Oh, hundred percent. Like, there's no question in that. Plus, you got Brian Cranston in there at the height of Breaking Bad. You know, like, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of Ron Perlman's in there. Uh, it's got a, a a killer soundtrack. Not just a, a score, but a soundtrack that yeah. also kind of entered pop culture. I think that's a big thing, the soundtrack kind of sold it. It's also, we didn't know this at the time, but it's got Oscar Isaac before he really became Oscar Isaac. So... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, the, the the stars aligned for that. I think just for it to be a bit more friendly to a, a more of an audience. At, at least there's a lot of an audience that love Drive that can't stand the rest of his stuff. Uh, as the, maybe the way I'd put it, actually, that's better said. Yeah. So I think this looks everything he's made since Drive because it's almost like he resents that he got more popular with that and wants to be like, no, no, I'm I'm the weird art house director. How dare you put me on this weird slot no 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 this is what i yeah. make now <laughs> yeah and and drive still like it's a very quiet movie oh yeah yeah like, it, it's it's not like super mainstream despite having kind of hit the general public just just enough that people have heard of it yeah yeah no it's uh so yeah I, i'm obviously excited to check this out it looks like more ref in, in my life um and i'll go wrong with that you know, this is not something I have to worry. I don't think about them cancelling because I mean it doesn't say limited series here, but I'm just going to assume that it's got uh, an six ending. episode reffin. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a very open ending, open ended, ambiguous ending, but one that's meant but, to be the but ending. an ending. Yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, the series originally debuted at the Venice Film Festival uh, when it was first announced. Reffin uh, said. With Copenhagen Cowboy, I'm returning to my past to shape my future by creating a series and expansion of my constantly evolving alter egos, now in the form of my young heroine, Mew. <laughs> I'm still not confident that's how you said it, but yes. So, yeah. So yes, this is um, this is the first time he's made something back in Denmark in 15 years. So, it's a bit of a... Been that long? Uh, yeah, a bit of a homecoming for him, yeah. Uh... I mean, that, that lines up, if you think about it, 2022, you go back, it's a 2007-ish. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. it does sound about right, it just, I don't know, it sounds like a long time ago when you say 15 years. I, I mean, there's a lot of things that like, make me feel old when I realise it's been 15 years since, 50 years, 2007, well, the first Transformers movie, <laughs> to, oh, this 15 God. years old. 
That's where you want to go. That's where you start with. <laughs> I could take it out else in 2007. Oh, Hot Fuzz, that's 15 years old. There you go. Tell me that. I mean, I know <laughs> that, but don't tell me that. Don't remind me. Nah, the one that broke my brain uh, recently, it was a video game one. It was uh, weird. The PlayStation one is closer to, what was it, like, Pong or something like that, then we are to the PlayStation 1 coming out. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's one of those, like... It's just... Oh, it, that's, mind. like, one of those facts about, like, like Cleopatra was closer to yeah, us than, yeah. the founding of the, than the building of the pyramids, right? Like, it's not one of those where you're like, hang on a second. I just... Maybe it's because I grew up through the PS1 era, but it's just like Pong feels like this ancient, like, device. It feels like something that should be found in a pyramid. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you're telling me that's closer to that than, than I am to the PS1 now at this point. 2007. What, 2007. Was 2007 the god year with like Halo 3, Mass Effect? I and Bioshock. Yeah, that was that year. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good year for gaming. I don't care about all of those, but yeah, Mass Effect and uh, Bioshock I'll take. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like there's a few other big ones that year as well. That, Actually, that the first. Now. The first Uncharted may have been that year, which admittedly is not that franchise's, you know, crown jewel, but that sounds about right, because the second one was 2009. I don't really Yeah. Oh, you had a... Yeah, so you had the first Uncharted, you had the first Assassin's Creed, you Ugh. had... But COD 4, which was, uh, you know, the original Modern Warfare, Mass Effect, Bioshock, all of which were hugely influential games for a generation or more. All in the same year. It's it's a big year. Uh, so it's been fifteen years since all those things. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been twenty years since the first Spider-Man movie. Let that sink in. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but that looks twenty years old. <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, oh, I should say the first Raimi Spider-Man movie. Technically, the first Spider-Man movie was in the seventies, but that's, you know, that's no one talks yeah, about yeah. that. All right, next up, um, Dune: The Sisterhood um, has lost its showrunner or its co-showrunner. Uh, they still making this? Yeah, they're still making this. I, I well, I mean, they're doing a part two, so I assume that the synergy will happen when part two is coming out, and they'll have the show. Uh, yeah, it'll still fail because every show tie-in does. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. But uh, it's mm, it's moving in production. Uh, so it's not. I mean, it's still happening, but. Uh, series creator and writer Diane Adamu John is stepping down as co-showrunner. She'll remain creatively involved in the prequels. Executive producer, but will focus on other commitments. So it sounds like she came in, set it up, but she's actually leaving like the the duties before like the actual production is really getting underway. Um, whereas the other co-showrunner, uh, Alison Shapker, uh, will now be the sole showrunner. So I mean, it's not that much of a shakeup given that it was co-showrunners and the other one staying on. And you know, yeah, it's not like. A complete takeover and someone else coming in with a whole different vision. It and, should still be pretty smooth. And uh, you assume that most of the writing is done, and that's kind of. I would like to think so at this yeah. point, if they want any chance of being, because because the next Dune movie is late next year. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. So yeah, not much to add. It seemed notable enough. Um, bit of sad news. Uh, so we lost the Batman. Uh, last week, uh, with Kevin Conroy passing. Uh, yeah. This week, we have the Green Ranger uh, passed away. 
uh, sadly by suicide at the age of 49. Uh, Jason David Frank, who played Tommy in the Power Rangers uh, series, uh, played the Green Ranger, then he became the White Ranger, and you know, he, he's been making guests that cameos and appearances back in all the newer Power Rangers things, I Pretty think. Consistently yeah. the entire time, right? I think so. He's, he's always embraced kind of that being his, his ticket, <laughs> if you will. He's, he never seemed ashamed of Power Rangers being no, his thing. No, he always went to all the, all the cons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously sad to sad to hear. Uh, you know, a lot of the cast members were speaking out about how great it was, and you know, uh, all the things you'd expect to come out when someone passes away. But yeah, um, yeah, this is, this is a weird couple of weeks for people our generation because you know we all. I think if you're between a certain age range, you grew up with Batman the animated series, and you grew up with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Those were both in your childhood, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, now two of the the the, the names portraying the more popular elements of those of you know because that's the thing the Green Ranger he was everyone's favorite pretty much like he had the odd weirdo who liked someone else but most people liked the Green Ranger the most yeah pretty much you had the, the odd one who maybe liked the Red Ranger aye yeah the chumps aye aye that, that yeah 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 aye. So, you know, I, I don't really have anything meaningful to say or add to it. Oh, just, you know, it sucks. <laughs> and that does indeed suck. Um, and he's only 49 because, I mean, Kevin Conroy was, I mean, he wasn't, he was still too young, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he was only 66. It's not like yeah. old by any means. Uh, but, you know, then we're going to 49 here. So this is like, you know, yeah. so, someone who was playing a teenager when I was a kid should really shouldn't be that old still yet. And, you know, here we and are. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I assume they're all just, a, you know, about to hit 50-ish, or maybe some of them have. Yeah, I would assume they're all within, you know, yeah. three or four years of each other at most. So, no, real shame. Um, there you go. So, uh, But we'll move on to our, our one new comedy of the week, oh, which is... Oh, that'd be a good one. Well, it's CBS, so you got a chance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they're developing the Hilsons. A multi-camera family comedy from the neighborhood team of writer-actor Malik Sanon, or maybe Sanon, depending how you pronounce that, and star executive producer Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, and this also comes from Capital Entertainment, which everyone knows Aaron Kaplan's behind that bad boy. Everyone does know, or at least anyone who listens to this show knows it. In <laughs> uh, the Hilsons, written by Sanon, uh, a mother and her two adult sons thought they knew each other until they are forced to live under the same roof for the first time in more than 20 years. This is almost one of our rules at this point, is uh, people moving back in with their parents. Uh, and discover they have all been keeping secrets from one another. Now, the seemingly loving family must learn to live together again and accept each other for who they are and not who they were pretending to be. Sounds like a sitcom. It sounds like a sitcom, yep. Yeah. Uh, not really much to, to add, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it, it might be funny. Like, it might be very good. But it was a very, just a standard family sitcom premise of, hey, there's a family living together. Yeah, that's pretty much it. The, the, the only gimmick being adults, kids have to move back in with their, their mother, which is not original. Like, so many sitcoms have an element of either the kids moving back in with their parents or the parent moving in with their adult children and their family. Uh That, that latter yeah. one especially happens all the time. Yes. There's so many sitcoms where the grandpa lives with them or whatever. Uh, Alright, uh, so on to the, the dramas. Uh, so first up, uh, Bruna Papandria's made-up stories. 
and fifth season of optioned the rights to Haley Kirscher's young adult novel The Falling Girls for television. Uh, Chloe Stearns and John Wynn are set to write the show. Set against the backdrop of a high school cheerleading squad, The Falling Girls is a thriller about the dark, intense, and all-consuming paths female friendships can take. Okay. I wasn't expecting thriller from everything else in that. Uh, I, I can see it. It was a young adult. I, I can see it being like a trashy teen thriller kind of thing. Yeah. Where, where was this again? Uh, no network, yeah. It's just uh, okay. companies that have optioned it, yeah. All right. I, I can see it kind of being... See, if you told me that was a CW show, I can definitely see it as like a like a Riverdale replacement. Yeah, but it could also be like akin to Yellow Jackets with this description as well. Yeah. Which I don't know, we we will have to wait and see where <laughs> where that falls. Yeah, I'd say it's more likely to be more like a CW show. I, I would expect because that's the easier thing to do. But yeah. you never know if it ends up at a like a streaming or cable network. Maybe they'll go for something a bit more. Yeah, it all uh, depends kind of what tone they want to take with that. Yeah, uh, next up, British author CJ Tudor's buzzy upcoming book, The Drift, is getting a TV adaptation. Um, this is Irvin Welsh's crime and Marcella producer Buccaneer Media and Chicken Soup for the soul-owned uh, Halican Studios, uh, which are behind Hunters, which just got cancelled <laughs> for, for, for the second season. Yes, we talked about that last time. That was last week's news, yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so they've run the rights to adapt this book uh, called The Drift. Uh, so, The Drift... Uh, da, 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 this, this, this. Sometimes they'll start the description with a... Which is published by so-and-so under the co- corporation of blah, blah, and then it finally like starts the description. Tells the story of three groups of frightened teens who find themselves thrown together in a frozen post-apocalyptic world... One group is involved in a coach crash, another wake suspended across a ravine in a broken down cable, and the third hunks down in an isolated sky chalet, and stalking all three is an even greater danger. That's potential. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I can see this being played quite well like again it really depends on on the tone that it wants to strike but like the, you know there's the something stalking them you could almost play that akin to like the terror yeah it could be a monster it could be a person i mean we, that doesn't really tell us yeah <laughs> yeah potential Appar- apparently the author here cj tudor has been referred to as britain's female stephen king by the newspapers. Mm. I am familiar with the name uh, in passing. Ne- never read any other work, I don't think. But I've seen the name for sure. For some reason, throwing the word female in there feels really skeevy to me. Like, why not just say she's written Stephen King? Why, why, did, why do you have to specify? I, I would suspect it's so that you know that she's a woman because it's a very, it's a very common thing. Yeah, especially uh, with, with, with women authors to use initials like that as a way of not putting, you know, men off when they see the name in the bookstore. Because, you know, there is a... Obviously, this is bullshit, but there is a perception that a lot of men have where they'll see a woman's name on the book and be like, oh, well, this isn't written for me. And they'll just brush over it immediately, which is why yeah, a lot Yeah, of... it's not like the first science fiction novel of all time which birthed the entire genre was written by a woman or anything. No, no. Like I say, it's... <laughs> 
absolutely insane. But even something as big as like you know, like you know something as big as Harry Potter, right? You know, it's it's still J.K. Rowling, right? You know, it's it's the same idea of just oh, we don't want to we don't want to alienate people who we don't want to scare them away fact, by making this clear it's a woman. To extrapolate what I just said, barely even a woman. If I remember correctly, maybe Shelley was like a teenager when she wrote Frankenstein. Is that not? Is that accurate? Was she that young? I, I she, she was young. I'm no. sure she was young. Look it up. I feel like I remember this. If I'm wrong about that, then fair enough. My my previous statement still stands, but uh, yeah, I I she was 18 when she had the idea, 19 when she finished writing the book. That's that's, that's yeah. impressive. No, no, it, it, it is. Yeah. And what did, what what did you achieve by 19? Well, I got into uni. <laughs> Have you achieved anything since 19? I have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I completed uni. Yes, you and X million others in the last decade. I survived. Is that not enough? <laughs> so yeah, props to Mary Shelley for creating basically like the genre that uh, that keeps us all you know going. Yeah. Also, <laughs> still a great book and holds up. Recommend it. Uh, I read it in high school. It's been a while, but I, I remember like it at the time. Yeah. So, uh, that is the drift, um, which turned into us uh, complaining about sexist book readers. <laughs> but you know, yeah, whatever. There you go. Uh, all right. So our final story of the week. I told you it was going to be a short one. We? You, you did promise a short one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll be over 30 minutes, but we're done this way. Uh, a Million Little Things, uh, which is a show that already exists, but the people behind it, DJ Nash and Dana, Ho- Dana Honor, <laughs> are developing a show, NBC, a family drama. Mm-hmm. It's called Life Changing. Although I have to emphasize here, there's a comma between the words, so it's life changing. Okay, at least that's got a little bit more style to it. Yeah, like it, it, you could sort of get like an extra bit of meaning from it just because of the comma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they've got a penalty. Uh, yeah. So, very good. Uh, the series follows a couple over 25 years as they share moments in life, both good and bad, professional and personal. I did that and I was joking. Uh, both good and bad that change them forever. Sometimes in life, the toughest challenges make way for greater things that you could have never possibly imagined i mean that is the most vague description of a it is. tv I think show over 25 years is the most interesting part that's obviously it's hook how are they doing that is it going to be like cutting around the timeline is it you know like showing us at various stages of that or is you it would a, assume you know, that plan? you would assume that you're going to have like some 20 somethings playing when they first meet some, you know, 40-somethings playing them in their kind of, like, maybe with kids kind of age, and then maybe some old people playing their retirement age. I don't no, know. That's, that's, that's too far, years, actually. Yeah, that's too so. far. Good point. But, uh, okay, maybe it'll be the same actors playing two of the ages then, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I can yeah. see them. But, like, how, how many stop gaps are they planning on? Is it a case of there'll be you know, one or two, like like th- like two or three periods where it's like, you know, hypothetically, I, I would 20, think, 30, 40, you know, ish. Yeah. I would think there'll be three periods that they intercut with and there'll be like thematic links between the plots 
an each to bit of the oh, time. Oh, you think they'll be cutting around yes. each I, I, episode? This is an NBC show. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, season one's when they're in their 20s, season two's, you know. No, but I thought maybe you could do it episode to episode. Like, here's an episode set in this age, and then the, the following mm. episode, you kind of reflect, that... you show something, you, maybe you show them, you know, you start at like, you know, 40, and then you go back and show them at like 20, the following episode, and kind of a parallel journey. That sounds potentially interesting. I don't think a network TV show would do that. That's true, yeah. I, I, I think they will have it be so that you have one or two, or maybe three timelines that are just concurrently cutting around, and maybe, obviously, some episodes might be weighted more to one than the other, but by and large, there'll always be, like, thematic yeah. links between them. I think if you were really ballsy, if I was doing this, and, and like, like, the the part of the concept here is that you've got to stick, you know, you've got to cut around in the same episode. Mm -hmm. I would still not follow a consistent timeline over the season. I would like, I'd have three, you know, I, I would like do, you know, maybe 18, 25 and 30 in the first episode. And then the second episode would be like 21, you know, uh, and, and 40. Yeah, you know, I, I literally just like, jump all over, you know, and to not have it feel like you're just following through their lives in just in three timelines, I'd rather it like jumped back and forth. I think that would be more interesting. I think if you were going to do that, you'd have to have one as consistent as the anchor. Well, you know, maybe the oldest one that acts as kind of the, the you know, the one maybe. with the reminiscing so that it kind of frames everything else. Mm. That said, though, I don't think, uh, my guess would be that on a network TV show, they would want just the three timelines moving forward. And probably that yeah. would be always what you get. Just but, the least interesting way, but it, it's an NBC show. It's it's what it's going to yeah. be. And maybe occasionally, because once you've established them all enough, you can have an episode that's just all one time period. Maybe you can do that in season two. It's, a, it's like a special treat you get. Oh, this is just the middle age time period because it's an important part of that life that's just going to take up the whole episode. You know, it's definitely the sort of thing where you can commit like an entire episode to, you know, like the marriage episode, right? For example, yeah, the birth of a kid, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever the you know happens to be, um, whichever of the you know three sets of time periods you want to set that in. Again, we we picked three arbitrarily here. Uh, wherever you happen to want to set that, you just do a whole episode with that one. Yeah, um, and then you have your twist at the end of the season B. That the reason, like the 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 the, the reason why this is the end point is because they're getting divorced, and you go into season two with the knowledge that. It is going to end. The relationship is is going to end at this point when their kids are yeah. teenagers, and that's what that's what we're building. But you don't you don't tell us that until the end of season one. You kind of like have that late time period, like you know, just have it dodge the fact that that's happening for a while, even though it clearly is in the background, and that's your big twist and reveal at the end of season one. I can definitely see that. See, I, I only this is inherently a bad idea for a show. I think there's a lot of potential in it. Oh yeah, I just I don't just... think it's going to be good on NBC though. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's kind of what we get out there. The, the fact that we sat here and theorized on this, even though there's nothing like science fictiony or horror or supernatural in it, <laughs> just be... in some ways it's kind of what happened with uh, this is us, right? Yeah, this is this is us. Had the the timelines? No, I didn't have timelines, but it had. Did it have timelines? I don't know. It, it definitely had, it had all the different characters, at least. I can't remember if it had I, th timelines. I think it did have different timelines. Yeah. I only ever saw the pilot when it aired, and that was... Yeah, I just, like, vaguely remember hearing things. I'm, like, 70% sure it had timelines. Well, everything has at least one timeline. I said timelines. <laughs> uh, that was plural. 
<laughs> if there's a show that has no timeline, I would love to see what weird. I mean, well, Reffin. Well, Reffin could I was going to say, <laughs> Reffin might be the one. <laughs> the entire thing's a still image, but there's something just vaguely happening that's moving throughout the image that you can kind of glean as a story. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next time. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but there you go. That's the news. Yeah, it's, it's a light week. Uh, everything basically shut down for Thanksgiving, and not on Thanksgiving, like the day before at least. Like most of my news was was from Monday, basically, uh, with a couple of things what, from what Friday. What happened is the World Cup started, and and everyone was just like, oh, "Screw this." That's, yeah, we're not, not, we're, yeah, we're not, not talking about that. Either. No, 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 that's fine. It's it's fine because uh, when we're recording comics tomorrow. I will be watching the, the England game. Well, I mean, I hope England lose on principle, but I don't really care about the tournament. Uh, you will. Mm-hmm. You will. Give it time. All right. That's a wrap-up, shall we? This has been <laughs> almost cancelled TV news. Uh, yeah, uh, check out the 1899 reviews. The first six of them are out now, uh, as, as I record. By the time this goes out, the seventh one will probably be up, actually. Uh uh, eight episodes? Ten? Yeah, eight episodes, so yeah. So it's all, okay. you know, near, near, in the, near in the end line. Uh, but yeah, so uh, obviously support us over at patreon.com slash TV and uh, get some bonuses for your trouble, including a little bit early access to this uh, TV news podcast. You could also, of course, hit the super thanks button, but you could do everything for free by just liking, subscribing, dinging the bell. All that stuff does help us out, so please uh, do so. But uh, that is the show, so thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla? <laughs>